It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock back with you again on this Monday edition. My guest today, Rob Lauder. He's a writer at Niners Wire. All around good dude and uh, love the stuff they put out at NinersWire.com. We're going to be getting into free agency. That's the next thing up, really. I mean, there's the Combine. Uh, free agency is a big one, and of course the draft. We're going to be about all of those things right here on Locked On 49ers throughout the offseason. Before we get to Rob, I do want to remind everybody to subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes, Spotify. The podcast is everywhere, including streaming at LockedOn49ers.com. Tons of other content as well. Written stuff and the streams of the pod at LockedOn49ers.com. Follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Email the show, any questions or comments. Or if you want to get involved in a mailbag, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. And hey, it's Monday now, so that means there's going to be a Tuesday mailbag. So get in those mailbag questions either via Twitter or email or Facebook, whatever. You can hit me up, LockedOn49ers Facebook page as well. Let's see, what do we got? News is scarce. There's the Daniel Kilgore contract, and we do have... Details now, money details that I did not have when I talked about that story last week. So uh, this is from Ian Rappaport. The 49ers contract extension for standout center Daniel Kilgore is a three-year deal worth nearly $12 million with some upside potential, source said. Quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo's center gets $7 million in guarantees. So based off those numbers, you know, about $4 million a year. It's not huge money. In the NFL these days, um, it's not top center money. So they paid him, uh, I think, at a level where, you know, I mean, he's earned. On one hand, the 49ers offensive line had some problems in the middle, particularly, you know, Kilgore wasn't great last year early. And he definitely got better once Jimmy Garoppolo stepped up on the scene. And I believe it was Jeff Dini from Pro Football Focus that said he was a top 10 center in the league for the last five games when Jimmy Garoppolo was there. But the ball was coming out quicker. Everyone looked a lot better when Jimmy Garoppolo was in there, you know. Um, and maybe that was a trigger for the 49ers and a key that they thought, oh, wow, we don't need to go crazy on the offensive line because when it's running like it should, we can develop interior offensive linemen. And ideally, that's what happens in the NFL. You're able to have mid-round players, tough, smart football players that come in and are good players that you're able to develop in your system that becomes starting caliber football players. The interior of the offensive line shouldn't be the place where you're spending tons of resources for your football team, uh, high-end resources, super high draft picks, or big money free agents traditionally. But on the other hand, if your offensive line isn't functioning as a unit and you've got holes in one or multiple spots along your line, your offense can't run either. So you do have to get that fixed. And that's what Daniel Kilgore was when he was drafted late and developed into a starting caliber center. I love... He's been around for a while. He's been a good player, and he's had a little downturn in his career. 
But we've seen him play well for the 49ers. We've seen him absolutely be a starting caliber center in the league. Now, if he's healthy, that helps, obviously. He's a good clubhouse guy. He's a good locker room presence. Works hard. And I love seeing guys that are homegrown get paid and, and get that chance to, to sign an extension with the 49ers. And there hasn't been enough of those guys for the 49ers that were drafted and played here for a while and then got contracts. So on that side of things, I'm really glad that Daniel Kilgore is going to be around and that he earned another contract and that he got that with the 49ers. But at the same time, there's a position I thought, I mean, I had ear, I got to be honest, I earmarked that position to be upgraded in the offseason. But that doesn't mean you're done. So they can still bring in other competition for Daniel Kilgore at center. And I'm sure they're going to be bringing in competition on that offensive line at some point, whether it's free agency or the draft this offseason. Talk a little bit more about that uh, coming up here with Rob Lauder. An average annual salary, $4 million, would rank 15th among centers in the league. And that's numbers from overthecap.com. And uh, it affects the offseason. So uh, that's, I mean, that's a great segue. Let's let's not delve into any more of this stuff because I want to get to Rob Lauder's thoughts on these things. And we can kind of hash this out and, and, and figure out maybe what the direction is for the 49ers along the offensive line this offseason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. My guest today is Rob Lauder. You know his work from Niners Wire, and you probably follow him on Twitter at Rob underscore Lauder. Uh, I love all the guys from the Niners Wire crew, whether it's Jared Brown or, of course, the big boss in Chris Biederman. So always a pleasure to talk to these guys. Rob, I appreciate you joining me here on Locked On 49ers. Hey, man. It's always a pleasure. Glad to be here. I want to start off with this. I talked a little bit about it on this podcast since it's been said by GM John Lynch. And uh, what does aggressively prudent mean to you <laughs> i'm assuming you're referring to uh you're referring to biederman's article but uh that's well he, he used that quote too so i mean i don't know I, I guess it's that's uh i think you could probably just take the prudent out of it and just say we're going to be aggressive because to me it just sounds like it's kind of beating around the bush and uh, trying to trying to call something that it isn't but uh i don't, I don't know prudent what, what does even prudent mean that's one of those words i've heard all my life but i've never took the time to meet to look it up but uh <laughs> i i think i think it's probably safe to say that you know they're going to want to ride the momentum they already have so um and that's going to big free agency is going to be a big part of that and i think there's going to be a lot of people calling them so i i think aggressive is is the word to take from that yeah they were pretty aggressive in last year's free agency but they didn't really go for the highest end guys and so i'm thinking maybe that's where the prudent part comes in they're like well we'll we'll identify the players we want whether it's a fullback or a linebacker and maybe even overpay that player make sure we get the guys we want in but we might not be spending at the highest of high levels does that make sense yeah i think so i i think i think what we learned from last year is it was just so obvious that they had a very concise plan in who they were bringing in. It all made sense. There wasn't anybody in that group that you kind of wondered what their place was going to be. You might have wondered why they paid that person that amount or, you know, why, why they did this and why they did that. But if there was no question, it was what the plan was and what everybody was there uh, was being brought there to be. So um, I think the same thing will be present this time. I think that 
one of the reasons they didn't want to go all in on any big price free agents last year, I mean, Pierre Garcon was pretty substantial, but um, is they really didn't know a whole lot about the roster. You know, they had to get through an off season and even a season of seeing these players, how they behave, how they play, uh, what they're capable of in an entirely new scheme and system on both sides of the ball. So I think now that they have a very, very clear idea of what their team consists of, I think they'll be, a, be able to be a little bit more concerted with the players that they target and which way, you know, how much they're willing to pay uh, that any specific player. No, that's a great point. And it's funny because they basically gutted the whole roster. So uh, especially the offensive side of the ball and the skilled position guys and Kyle Shanahan basically just took the, the depth chart and just circled it and was like, nope, that's not going to work. So they had to bring in so many bodies that you can't just start throwing high-end guys in there and big money free agents uh, when you also have to fill out the bulk of the roster through mostly through one free agency and a draft. So I understand why they didn't go to the high level of the market. Do you think they could kind of flip that script this time and target fewer guys in the middle range and low range and just maybe get one or two higher price guys? I think that's a good assumption. I, I think that they're probably going to have one or two probably, I guess you could call them marquee free agents that they're offering probably the top tier of that position. You know, two, two, two positions that have kind of always jumped out to me as positions that I feel like they're going to be willing to spend a lot on are offensive line, and now that Daniel Kigor has been re-signed, probably guard, and I think they're going to be willing to spend a lot on a cornerback if they think that, think that fits right. I think those two positions, for some reason to me, I don't think they're going to overreact too much on the linebacker thing. I think they're going to kind of want to wait and see how that plays out. Um, I think those are going to be the two positions. I don't know what makes me think that. I just think feel like they're the two biggest needs and they're the two biggest needs that are going to have a massive impact on the roster. If they can just pay two guys that come in and perform at a high level at those two positions, I feel like things kind of get smoothed over a lot for, for the roster. I totally agree there. And uh, getting to the Kilgore contract, three years but not huge money. Uh, I believe I was actually just looking at some of the Niners Wire stuff. I believe Biederman wrote another article about where he sits with Offensive lineman now in the NFL, which is maybe the 15th highest paid or something like that, which is pretty low on the totem pole for a newly signed uh, center. Basically, he's getting low starter money or really high backup money, which makes sense for what Kilgore has been the last few years. He started off the first three years as a starter was really good after his rookie year and then uh, kind of on the downward slope the last few years dealt with a pretty bad ankle injury. uh, But played well once Jimmy Garoppolo showed up and Garoppolo gave him the thumbs up as a guy he liked playing with under center, but that might have been a little bit of Garoppolo, you know, just being the leader he is or maybe the politician he is. He's not going to say anything bad about the guy he just played with, you know. But Kilgore, well-liked in the locker room, one of Joe Staley's best friends, you know, hardworking guy. And so I think if he, from the character standpoint, they really like him. And if you just let him walk, maybe you don't have a starter. You have to throw even more money to a guy who's just a minor upgrade. And you don't want to go into the season with a rookie center. So... Uh, to me, the Kilgore contract means, okay, you're going to start most likely week one, but no guarantees beyond that. Does that make sense to you? Oh, it does. And I think the last thing they wanted to do with the kind of the entire scenario, this whole you know uh, melting pot of things that went into the level that Jimmy Garoppolo was playing at, I think one of the last things they would probably want to uh, disturb in that equation was the center quarterback relationship. And it's not like Daniel Kilgore was playing – um, I would, you know, he wasn't playing well. He did have his games, and he kind of picked it up last season when things kind of started to get into the groove with Garoppolo, and that might have more to do with just the fact that Garoppolo 
had a had a much better command of the offense and that quick release. But still, I mean, you, you, they're rewarding the guy for the fact that he he finished strong. Um, like you said, he's a very well liked uh, member of the locker room. He's hilarious. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, so it probably wasn't that hard for them to justify bringing him back, especially when they considered the fact that um, the relationship he built with Garoppolo. And now, you know, depending on what they do in the draft, they could very well bring in a center. I expect they wouldn't do it in free agency, but they could bring in a center through the draft that's going to compete with him. But um, in the offseason, it wasn't even sure if he was going to be the center. Um, so now you might things might get a little bit more uh, progressive for him now that he's kind of the clear-cut starter for now. Even if they bring in a rookie, even if the rookie was drafted in the first few rounds, I think that he'd probably have a pretty strong lock on that starting center job, um, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances. So maybe things, maybe they kind of see things looking up for the guy as he entered into really the first year he's ever had, you know, getting paid as a, you know, an extension rather than just a rookie contract. Yeah, and I'm liking the centers in the draft, especially in that, you know, maybe third round range, even into day three. I think you can find a pretty good player at that position. So that makes a lot of sense to have to draft a player to push Kilgore. And with this contract, I mean, you could cut him next offseason. I mean, I'm not trying to cut Kilgore already, but, you know, you could move away from this contract if you wanted to later if, if a rookie somehow jumps out and, and is a really great player and you think he's a starter going forward in 2019. So if you do lock up Kilgore and he's your starter, and this leads into the other thing you were talking about, about a guard, and I would be worried if the 49ers didn't add a starting caliber player to the offensive line in this offseason. And when you've got the bookend tackles already set in Joe Staley and Trent Brown, and now you re-sign Daniel Kilgore, then obviously guard is the spot. So you got to spend some money there, right? Because you can't go into the draft just crossing your fingers and hoping Quentin Nelson's going to be there at pick 9 or 10. Right. No, I think they, they kind of need to. Now, uh, you know, I guess it wouldn't be considered the most popular opinion, but I think that the struggles that Lake and Tomlinson and Daniel Kilgore had kind of put a bad rap on uh, Brandon Fusco, and he actually had a better season than kind of people realized. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to bring him back just because then they at least knew. I don't think they would quite want to pay him as much as Daniel Kilgore got, but at least they would know they had some semblance of their starting lineup there that you know could they could fall back on it should they you know go somewhere else. That doesn't even – hopefully it would be kind of a contract that wouldn't preclude them from going in free agency. But, no, if they – they don't resign someone like that. And then you have Josh Garnett, who's kind of a wild card. Uh, he could come in and look like the, the prospect that he was drafted to be, um, or he could come in like someone who's tried to transform his body and is just out of place and he's playing in a system that doesn't fit him. So who knows what you're going to get out of him. So it's almost like you have these two wide-open guard spot positions that you really don't know who's going to fill or how it's going to work out. So to me, it just seems like they're going to go somewhere in free agency at that position. It, it, you're just – I just couldn't see them riding on it in the draft. Um, that doesn't mean they don't go both. You know, they could add a, a high-priced free agent, not even a high-priced free agent, a good free agent, and then go that way in the draft just to really kind of solidify that unit. And I think uh, Kyle Shanahan, just from what he was able to do in Atlanta, knows how important that is. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they approach it because that's one of the biggest holes in the roster right now. Like you said, they got the tackles, they got the center, but who's going to play guard and how are they going to play? So that's that's definitely probably – uh, among their highest needs on, on whatever board they got in that office. And then that's where that aggressive part comes in, because if you identify your guy, then you got to go get him. And someone like Andrew Norwell, who uh, and I had Jason from OverTheCap.com, who, who's a great cap guy, talking about the numbers he thought that some of these players were going to earn in the offseason, and he thought Andrew Norwell is going to get you know $13 million a year, which is a lot of money to pay a guard. Um, 
But then after Norwell, there's maybe Justin Pugh. Uh, he's scheduled to make probably, you know, and, and who knows what they'll actually get. Depends on the markets for all these guys. But Justin Pugh might get a little bit less than Andrew Norwell. But starters money at guard. Uh, the, the plus with him is maybe he can play a little bit of tackle, but he's been a better guard in the NFL than tackle. It just doesn't quite have the length to play on the outside and on the edge in the NFL. But he's been a pretty good player. And so after him, it kind of drops off quickly. So uh, I'm thinking maybe those are the two names the 49ers might be looking at. Is there anybody else that makes sense to you for the 49ers? Not really. I mean, I was looking at, I think his name is Ryan Jensen, the center out of, I can't, I'm drawing uh, a blank on the team. I thought it was, uh, thought it was Baltimore, but yeah. I'm not sure. Um, and I'm not sure how he would do at guard. You know, that's, that's one of the things, too, that kind of adds a little bit of a, a blur to the equation are guys that play tackle but could play guard or guys that play center could play guard and stuff like that. So there's all these different combinations of people they could target. And that also goes for the draft, too. They could target a center in the draft, someone that uh, they think could replace Kilgore down the road, but that center can also probably play guard, too. I think um, uh, Daniels out of Iowa mm-hmm. and Ragno out of Arkansas, yes. I believe, if I got those right, both yeah. of those guys could uh, – could play guard. So it'll be a little bit of a weird equation and how they go into it, you know, but it's, I think Andrew Norwell, depending on if they feel like he can, he can fit their scheme and get out in space and move and stuff like that. I think he'll probably be the prize guy. And like, but like you said, he's going to get a lot of money. So they need to, uh, they're going to have to decide whether or not they kind of want to run with a, a patchwork unit for now until they get some serious answers or if they believe him to be it and they want to make the investment. But like you said, after Norwell and Pew, it just doesn't, nobody really jumps out as being a definite upgrade. And if you're going to get down to, to that point, I think it'd probably make more sense to just offer a Brandon Fusco a return contract because he was there last year and he didn't play that bad. So it's, it, it's really either you're going big time or you're going the draft on that one. Yeah, and, and Fusco, I think, deserves a contract. Uh, he, he played pre, he played better than Kilgore you know, by, by most accounts. And so if you bring him back, then do you just plug in? I mean, it's, is it possible that they come back with the same group, but just with uh, a newly remade body of Joshua Garnett and he plugs in at left guard or competes there at left guard and you have Fusco at right guard and everybody else pretty much the same? I mean, it seems like it couldn't possibly happen, but I guess you could see a situation where they don't want to overpay for a guard and free agency or maybe those guys go somewhere else and maybe they're like, okay, well, if Quentin Nelson is there, Maybe we'll take him, and if he's not there, or maybe there's another guy we like even more at that spot, anyways. But but we'll 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 press our luck with the current group we have, and maybe draft some guys. I, I'd be surprised if it happened that way, but I guess it's got to be a possibility. Definitely a possibility, and you know, I think with the Kilgore signing, you can tell that they value the familiarity, they value the continuity that was built over the first season. Um, and you know, if it, the weakest link on that offensive line, and I don't have any, you know mindless hours of tape to, to back this up, but I think was Lakin Tomlinson. So, mm-hmm. and he's the one that's, that's coming back no matter what. So, um, you know, at, at least to the off season. So if there, if everybody else other than him was an upgrade, then I don't see, as long as you're not shelling out big bucks, I don't see the point in, in at least having the 2017 offensive line at your disposal. And then if you can upgrade over the top of them and maybe they don't make the ro- the final roster cuts or what have you, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, Marathe's proved that he can, he can write some contracts. So, I, I think, to your point, I think it would be a good idea for them to try and lock up everything about the 2017 offensive line and then just try and upgrade over it from there because I don't think they're going to have to give Fusco too much money to get him to come back. Um, and then they could see if they can get an upgrade through free agency or see what falls their way in the draft and then kind of set themselves up with some options as long as there's not too much guaranteed money that kind of leaves them in, in the pit if they are you know, releasing somebody that they just signed. So I, 
like we were saying, I think at least fall back on the offensive line that they had last season and then see where you can go from there. And I love that you mentioned Frank Ragnow, who's right now my favorite guy of, of all the centers and offensive linemen I've watched. And he's got starting experience from Arkansas, both center and guard. Uh, there's also uh, Mason Cole from Michigan, Billy Price from Ohio State. Uh, you mentioned Daniels. Uh, Will Hernandez might be a little bit more of a big-bodied mauler, not the athletic type of lineman that um, that Kyle Shanahan will want in that outside zone scheme. But there, there's a lot of options in the mid-rounds. So uh, it, it seems unlikely, but you know it's possible that they could just bring back the same group with Joshua Garnett and draft another guy in the in the top three rounds maybe and roll from there, although I would be slightly surprised if it did go down that way. By the way, Rob Lauder joining me here. He is writer at Niners Wire. You can find him on Twitter at Rob underscore Lauder. You probably already follow him there. Um, some other positions the 49ers could tackle in free agency. One in particular, I think, might trump all of them. And that's the one I want to talk about next. TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move. Or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Moving on to the other position you mentioned, which I totally agree, cornerback, if you're going to upgrade somewhere, they've got to get, I mean, even more so, then the offensive line, now that we've seen him re-sign Daniel Kilgore, is at cornerback. You've got to have a starting corner, I think pre-draft even. And then, so then again, you've got a few names to talk about. Malcolm Butler, Tremaine Johnson, Kyle Fuller. A few other names that could be potential starters at corner, but not guys you would necessarily think that you're just going to plug right in and they're going to be a true stud starting cornerback across from Akella Witherspoon. Let, let's let's put it this way. Which name do you like at corner, and do you think they could sign both, let's say, a guard or another big-time player and a starting corner? I think so. I think all they have to do is look at the Jacksonville Jaguars to see how much money. I mean, they signed Calais Campbell, and they signed, and they signed I don't know how to say his last name, A.J. Boye. I don't, yeah, I don't Boye, know how to say something his last like that. name. So, um, and, you know, and, and that's not even – among others, so – we're not at a, a point in the NFL anymore where you can kind of skirt away from signing free agents. You know, they still have like the third most cap space in the NFL after signing a franchise quarterback. And what's interesting about that contract is it's going to free up money as it goes. I think in like year three or four, uh, Garoppolo is only getting paid like 17 to somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to 20 million. So while that's still a lot, it's, it's, pennies compared to what quarterbacks are going to be making by that time and the cap's going to keep going up so there's no reason to to not sign a player because of cap reasons when you have this much space probably the the player that that i like the most is uh rashawn melvin out of um the indianapolis colts Mm -hmm. he's kind of at that almost aj boyer spot where he had a really really promising season 
when he got his chance and he isn't, you know, one of the best known names among the league, so he won't command the highest price, but he fits really, really well. He's six foot two. He had a really good season last year and he, he seems like he fits the bill for what the 49ers are going to look for. And I feel like adding a guy like that, I would prefer adding a higher price free agent um, opposite of Kella Witherspoon than I would finding a cornerback in the draft, like say in the first round, second round, somebody you expect to step in there and start. I just feel like it'd be a good, better compliment and a better working pair than to have two, you know, base, what's essentially two rookies, the rookies and a sophomore. So, you know, he's the one that I've been looking at. Malcolm Butler, somebody to look at. Obviously, Pierre Garçon's already recruiting him. So, you know, he's got kind of an interesting story. I'm not sure what information he's going to get out of New England. Uh, John Lynch, that is, uh, that would kind of influence his signing. I'm not, you know, with the way things ended there. So it'd be interesting. But yeah. I think that, you know, going after guys like that, Kyle Fuller's another interesting name. He had a really good season. It's It's just, I think that they're definitely going to target that position as one of their main points of free agency. It's just a matter of which direction they go because there's a, there's a fair amount of, of decent quarterbacks that are about to hit the market. Yeah, and, and how prudent they get aggressive with it, right? <laughs> right, right. Prudently <laughs> aggressive, aggressively prudent. <laughs> uh, you talked uh, real quick. One more thing I want to talk about, and you hit on it there, is uh, the recruiting process. And you wrote an article actually at Niners Wire talking about Jimmy Garoppolo quote from a radio hit he did on KNBR where he mentioned talking to other players and campaigning free agents to come to San Francisco. And uh, one interesting sort of twist to all of this, and I didn't really put this together until I was thinking about talking to you and I was looking at some of the stuff you wrote on Niners Wire. Uh, Garoppolo was drafted in 2014, which means a bunch of dudes he played with like in the Shrine game at the Senior Bowl and wide receivers he threw passes to at the Combine are also all becoming free agents. So I wonder how tight he got with some of those players in 2014. Oh, there's, there's probably an endless amount of contacts that, that he's built up over the years. And there's, there's a few guys, you know, like the Malcolm Butlers and the Dion Lewis's that are about to hit free agency that he spent his career with. So, yeah. you know, his career so far with. So it, it's just a, it's an interesting aspect. And I just think that there's no denying kind of the ball that's rolling in San Francisco. Now, will they go in? Uh, next season and to be an eight and eight team, I I think that the odds are pretty good of that, you know, and that would be a massive improvement over you know what they started at last year. But even if that's the case, I think that they're always at least for the next few years going to have a case for just this this project that's kind of hitting on all cylinders. You know, I don't think anybody when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were hired would have thought that this rebuild was going to move at the pace that it's moving at. So the recruiting is almost happening in and of itself. You know, the only downside to the whole free agency uh, aspect of San Francisco is the fact that you're dealing with California sales tax or, you know, not sales tax, but taxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's, that's really the only thing that they don't, they have this bright new shining, good looking quarterback. You know, they have a, this, the coach, a highly respected, you know, offensive minded young head coach, a general manager that's doing well. So it's, it, you know, the, the players recruiting other players is just a bonus to everything that's already going on in, in San Francisco that's making this look right. So it, it'll be very interesting. to. I think there will, there will, they'll have more suitors than they will sign contracts. So it's, I, don't, I think that what's interesting is San Francisco's at a point where there will probably be playoff teams, 2017 playoff teams, vying for a free agent. And the free agent is going to consider San Francisco over a team that makes did much better last year just because of the momentum and the, kind of the, the way things are going. So it's, it's a really, really, you know, it's something I'm look, really looking forward to um, almost as much as the draft because it's just, it'll be interesting to see 
you know, the, the news that comes out, the rumors that breaks, and just how many players are really trying to get to San Francisco and, and how far they can get just in that little bit of time period. Wow. And when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, how, how much difference a year makes and how much difference three months makes. And, uh, but, but I got to, one thing you said there was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Eight and eight? Jimmy Garoppolo's going to lose <laughs> eight more games than he's even, uh, he's going to lose eight games more than he has in his entire career just next year? Well, I mean, I'm just trying to temper the expectations because, I mean, unless everybody's willing to, to embrace the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan's 49ers are going to go undefeated next year, eventually that loss is going to come. Now, you know, I, I don't know how much to, how much stock to put into the fact that, you know, actually they'll be able to – teams will be able to look at Jimmy Garoppolo's five games and find out what they can exploit and what they can't exploit. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm – I'm just looking at the fact that this was a, a two and fourteen team, but obviously things changed really, really quickly. So maybe eight and eight is more of a a, a tempered expectation. I, I've always thought that they're going to compete for a playoffs, but I'm just saying that even if the team doesn't make the playoffs next season, they've got a lot of momentum, and I don't think anybody's going to knock them if they don't. So it's just you know it's something that players want to be a part of, and they know that good things are happening, and it's a, a rebuild project that I think a lot of people are going to be perfectly willing to be a part of, even if things don't go spectacularly, because of just the way they're going about it. Yeah, i got to agree with you. That's uh, that's probably a good way to go about this, especially from folks like us to sort of like spread that word out, to be just, just to kind of temper that enthusiasm a little bit, because it's better to be pleasantly surprised when the team does go over 500 and possibly into the playoffs, rather than coming into a season where you're just like playoffs or bust atmosphere, from a six and ten team that started out one and nine, it's it's just not the right. <laughs> it's probably not the right mindset for. Definitely not for the team itself, and probably not for fans to get into expecting too big of things. And, and definitely uh, w- with the way things are going to go, I'm foreseeing in this off season, uh, there's going to be fewer people sort of trying to temper expectations than there are people that are just all in and all about it. I mean, they're they're so far beyond already the darling team. It's going to be the cliche pick next year, right? Right. No, it, it's been just like we saw a few weeks ago where San Francisco was the most betted on team in the NFL just because <laughs> of where they were currently sitting, kind of in that sweet spot of this is reality, but at the same time, here's all this you know positive news and momentum that betters love. So I think that, that kind of comes right along with the same thing, and it's just a matter of, of kind of making that happen. Now, the one thing they do have going for them is their strength of schedule is very, very favorable considering how the team finished. You know, you beat two playoff teams, um, I think that even if the Rams would have put their starters in at the end of the season, I think the 49ers, that would have been a very competitive game, just like the game they started with uh, in, in the beginning of the season. So I think that they're – and they think there's only two or three teams on their schedule next season that were either in the playoffs or competing for the playoffs uh, last season. So they have a very – strong schedule in terms of, you know, if they're going to make a push and if they're going to be what the hype wants them to be, kind of all the stars are aligned for them to do that. But, you know, it's the NFL and stuff never works out like that. So I'm just trying to temper my expectations um, and and just pump the brakes on the Garoppolo hype train a little bit. I know that's basically heresy at this point, (laughs) but that's just kind of, you know, where I want to be right now. And then everything else after that will just kind of be a present surprise, like you said. Uh, There he is, Rob Lauder, your wet blanket for the 2018 football season. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rob, you're, you're speaking the truth and uh, I'm, I'm on board with everything you're saying there. Uh, it's, it's probably the smart way to go. Rob, always appreciate the time. Thanks for talking with me late night here on Locked On 49ers. 
Hey, man, no problem. Looking forward to next time. Always a pleasure chatting with Rob. Don't forget to check out his stuff at NinersWire.com. He's on Twitter, Rob underscore louder. That's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with a mailbag episode. Hit me up on that mailbag at BDPeacock on Twitter or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And I'll talk to you guys then right here on LockedOn49ers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.